This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Welcome to Oasis City Church, Columbus. It's going to be a good day today, amen? You glad you came to church? It's so good to see you here this 4th of July weekend, holiday weekend, and people traveling. And um, I, wanted to, I wanted to name this new sermon series um, Summer School. But then I, they, they, they told me that that would give you another reason to stay home today if I called the summer series uh, Summer School. But we're so glad that you're with us, man. It's a... It's a it's just a great day to be alive and a, and a great day to be in church. And um, so as I was praying uh, about this, oh, hey, let me welcome our, our online congregation. So glad you're with us. Hey, we got people watching and of course, all over central Ohio and Cleveland, but as well as in New Haven, Connecticut, Houston, Texas, Port Charles, Florida, and Virginia. We're so glad you're with us. Thanks for tuning in. We can all, let's all clap together. Okay, let's all, there we go. So glad that you're with us and tuned in today. And it's our desire that you experience the presence of God right where you're at. Uh, As you can see on the screen, just text us uh, more OC to 94,000 to get connected. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, And so for all of us that are here here today, um, I'm excited to share with you a a message. Um, And and as I had this prepared uh, and and sent in, sent in my notes, uh, Friday night, the Lord spoke to me uh, in a dream and shared something with me that I feel like I'm supposed to share with you today. So it wasn't a, a plan uh, originally, but I think it's Holy Spirit's plan. So I think he's going to help us uh, here today. So we started a summer internship uh, this week. With, we have about 16 interns at Oasis City Church. So high school graduates or, or college students, and we're so glad that they're with us. And so you'll see them along. They're going to help me with my message here at the end as well. Uh, and so we're excited to have them apart. And so I shared something with them uh, and then the, the Lord literally woke me up in the middle of the night and, and I felt like I was supposed to share this with you, okay? Um, so I wanna share this with you. It will seem a little bit like summer school, but I think it's really gonna help us, okay? Uh, it, it's called um, the three realms of theological faithfulness, okay? This is something real practical. I'm gonna share this and then we're gonna get into the scripture, okay? Three realms of theological faithfulness. Are you ready for this? Do you have your notebooks? Are you ready? Because it's not on the screen. All right, number one. Three realms of theological faithfulness. The reason why this is so important is how many you know it's really important what we believe? Yes. Really, really, really important. But, but how are our beliefs formed? And how do we act them out? Like, what are they? And so this is what's so important. And so if we take an issue uh, like we, we, we talked about just now, about Roe v. Wade, about, uh, about abortion. So if we take this issue and we think, hey, what, what does the Bible say about it? What does it look like? How do we practice this? This is our, really a belief system. It really comes down to what do you believe? What do we believe? And so here, here's what we have. The first, uh, the three realms of theological faithfulness, all right? This is a little Venn diagram, but the first one is this. Uh, it, there'll be three words. The first word is this. It's ortho. What does ortho mean? Okay, who goes to the orthodontist? 
What does the orthodontist do? Makes your teeth straight. Okay, so ortho means straight. It means right. So ortho, orthodoxy, orthodoxy. Say orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. Okay, now this isn't just for the Greeks, for the Greek Orthodox Church, right? Orthodox literally means like right belief, okay? Right thinking. This is, this is what we believe, right? Right doctrine. This is right we believe. So orthodoxy, this is really important, okay? It's not just for seminary students. Uh, it, it's not just for the pharisaical people. What we believe about God, about, about the world is really important, right? Yeah. But how many of you know that's not enough? It's not just what we believe here. It's just not right doctrine. It's just not right belief. But there's another circle in this that is called, believe it or not, ortho what? Orthopraxy. So these are praxy. What does that sound like? Praxy, practice, practice. Yeah, it's very true. Practice. So this is our this is our doing. So how many of you know we have to have good orthodoxy, like doctrine, belief, what we have, right? But how many of you know it has to come into practice? So it has to come into what we actually do. So there's a scripture that says uh, in James, faith without works is what. So we can have great faith, but if it doesn't have works, then what what, what good is it? So what good is all the right belief in the world without practice, okay? So this is where we get down to what we believe. And then there's the last one, okay? So it's a Venn diagram. So it has to be a third circle. So here's the third circle. And this is what? Ortho, somebody's smart. Orthopathy. So this is orthopathy, which means pathy, which means what? Feeling or emotion. Okay, this one's often overlooked orthopathy, orthy feeling. This is feeling, this is emotion. How does this factor into what we believe? How does this factor into it? What, is, what does it look like? Well, how many of you know that we are often, we are often moved by our emotions? But how many of you know that we can't be just led by our emotions because our emotions do what? They'll lead us wherever the wind blows. Where, so, so they have to be backed up with something, okay? So, so if you think about it, so if, if we think about orthodoxy, like right belief, let me ask you this. Who were the first people in the New Testament when Jesus came onto the scene? Okay, if you're new, you're new to church, you're new to Christianity, uh, don't worry about it. But, but, but for the people that have known Jesus for a while, who were the first people? Who were the first to, to, to know who, who Jesus was? That Jesus was the son of God, who was it? Who was the first people to have their doctrine right, to have their belief system right? Who was it? Anybody knows? Anybody, you, y'all gonna be brave. Is this a trick question? That's what you're asking yourself. Do you know who this is? Uh, but throw it in the chat. If you're in the chat, who was the first people? You know, was it the disciples? Nope, 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 nope. Wasn't disciples. Was it the shepherds? Could have been. They came, glory to God in the highest, right? They got, God spoke to them and told them. Who was the first one to recognize Jesus by his teaching? Who was it? Well, John the Baptist was there, but he was before. Like he was to prepare the way, okay? So, I mean, you're, you're partly right. You're probably right. You guys are doing great. All right, you're doing great. You're throwing out some good ones. Could be the Pharisees. Do you know really who it was? The first ones to recognize that Jesus through his teachings and demonstrations were the demons. Remember? They said, this is the son of God. So is orthodoxy enough? It's not enough just to have the right, right belief system. To know who God is and to believe in him is not enough. So it has to what? It has to be worked out into our own lives. But then there's this feeling part. And, and I just want us to show this just, just for a moment. Most often Jesus healed. Why? Scripture tells us that he was moved with com- compassion. Wow. 
So Jesus is the picture of, of, of all of these together. Jesus' theological faithfulness was perfect, right? So the goal for us is to be like right here in the middle, this part right here, right? Where our orthodoxy, orthopraxy, orthopathy, all comes into alignment, where they're all working together. And so this is where Jesus, he was moved with compassion. And so he would then heal the sick. So his, his feelings, his emotions moved him to do what he knew what was right. And so here's what's really important for us to, to understand today before we jump into the text is that we, we, we often don't live here as much as we should. And so na- naturally, some of us tend to lean towards certain areas. So, so what happens if our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy come into alignment, right? But we don't have any, any feeling. What happens? What happens when we live in this place of orthodoxy orthopraxy, what, what happens when we get here where we're believing and we're working, but we're not feeling? When you get in this place right here, it, it can lead to burnout because we're constantly doing, we're constantly making things happen, but we're not, we're not feeling. We're not doing it out of the right uh, motivation, right? So, so what happens if, if we're in a place here where, we're, where we're, we have the right orthodoxy, we have the right feeling, but we don't have practice? What happens what happens right here? Well, this is like, this is the Pharisees. This is the hypocrites. So we say something is true, okay? We, we, we feel it with all of our being, but we don't do anything about it, okay? So I want you to think for a moment. This is, this is the reason I believe why some of us struggle with the Roe v. Wade issue, with abortion. This is why some of us struggle. Because you look at people and you say, well, listen, if you really believed it, and you really cared about people, then you would do something. But because you haven't done anything, then what some people do is they choose to say, well, then it must not be true. Do you hear me? People look with their eyes and they say, well, because you've been hypocritical, then that can't be true. But here's what we have to understand. The foundation of all of this, our belief system is right teaching. The foundation of everything has to start where? It has to start with the word of God. So everything has to come back to the word of God. So any of this without the right doctrine doesn't work. So what happens if you have all feeling and all practice with no, no right teaching? You're in crazy trouble. You're in crazy town. That's Cultville, you know? That's, that, that's crazy town. That's where we live. Why? Because we're not, we're not founded on anything. And so it's really important for us to understand as believers that, that, that listen, we can, we can get in this place right here practice where, like, this is where Martha lived. Mary and Martha? Practice. She was just do, 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 do. Let me do, 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 lived here, right? But she missed the moment where Mary was with the feeling and the emotion with Jesus, where she was like, no, I'm right here, Jesus. I'm right here. And so naturally, a lot of us tend to end up in like two of these categories easily, but it's really difficult at times for us to, to mesh them all together. And so I want to challenge us today that that if you think your theology is complete, you're in the wrong church. If you think your theology has been completely formed and is perfect, then I'm here to tell you there's this, there's this little thing coming up in your future called a stumbling block. That's pride and it's gonna cause you to fall, okay? Because our, our theology hasn't been formed perfectly. It's continually changing. We're continuing understanding. We're continuing to grow and understand and know who God is more and more. 
And so we have to be able to come across these cultural issues at times, church. Listen, where we step back and we say, wait a minute. I've been taught something all of my life. I've been told something all my life. I've been in an environment and a culture that has believed something all of, our, all of my life. But could it be that there is some untruth here? And so we have to look at it fresh again. Are you with me, church? Yeah. So, so this is my goal is that we, we be a people who really, who really understand the word and dig into the word for ourselves. Not just something that people are, are saying, not just something like that. And um, maybe I'm getting teachy here because we got interns and I'm teaching our interns, but I'm telling you, we, 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 we got to get this church. Yeah. We got to understand what we believe and we got to have a right ability to, to grow and understand yeah. more. So open up your Bibles, if you would, to, to a familiar passage of scripture for some of you. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. We're going we're gonna to talk about a people who pray today, a people who pray. 2 Chronicles 7.14. That was a long opener. And we're going to jump into it. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Scripture says this. It says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Father, we just ask today by the power of Holy Spirit, you would open up our minds and our hearts to receive from you. That we would grow today that we would come into a greater understanding of who you are as Jesus, of who Holy Spirit is and his role in our lives today. And we will fall more in love with Father God than we ever have before. So Lord, let your word today bear fruit, much fruit and fruit that remains in us. Lord, that we might leave here transformed, that we would transform others around us. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Help us today. Be the great teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Amen. So, so this, this scripture that I wanna talk to you about for just a few moments um, is a scripture most often heard when it comes to praying for our nation. So it's July 4th weekend. And, and here we are uh, at a place where we recognize what is our responsibility in this nation that we live in? Well, one of our greatest responsibilities is to pray. And so we're gonna, we're gonna pray today. And I wanna talk to you for a few moments of how, how we need to pray for our nation. And, and so the first thing that I want us to notice when we take this scripture, and this is some really important things, you know, sometimes we just take scripture and we just apply it like blanket to like our life without any context. And sometimes, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Uh Uh-oh. Some of your faces are like, what? What are you about to say? So scripture says, uh, let's just look at this a little bit again. If my people, who are God's people? If my people, who's the people? If my people, this is Old Testament. This is the book of Chronicles. If my people, who are the people? Can I tell you who the people aren't? This is not America. Okay. Smile at me. If my people, this is not America, if my people, uh, this is not America, this is Israel, okay? This is Israel. God is talking to the nation of Israel. He's saying, this is my people, if my people, okay? Now, how does, this, how does this apply to us today? This is the question. Can this apply to us today? Because this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. Man, I, some of you are on edge. You're like, 4th of July weekend, you're messing with America. <laughs> I'm in the Midwest. Um, I want, you, I want you to think, okay? I want you to think. God is saying, if my people, okay? This is, this is the nation of Israel, okay? But could this then apply to us today? Yes. If my people, okay. Yes, absolutely. The Old Testament is for us, right? It wasn't written specifically to us, but it is for us, right? And so as God is talking to these, so people, so who are then God's, God's people? God's people, when we look at the New Testament, uh, uh, we know the Romans tells us this, Paul tells us this, for all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. 
So if we are, if we are sons and daughters of God, we've been adopted in the family, as Paul talks about, adopted as sons and daughters of God. If our, if we don't just believe, right? Because even the demons and Satan believes that Jesus is the son of God. We believe, but, but, but we've made him Lord of our life. We accept him. We f- choose to follow him. So we're walking in the fullness of following Jesus, the faithfulness of our theology, right? And following Jesus. If that's who we are, then we are, we are children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. So as sons and daughters of God, the scripture says, if those who have the spirit are the sons of God. So if you have, are born again, you have the spirit of God in with, with you. Amen. Do you hear me? Whether or not you speak in tongues, if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Holy Spirit is in you. So then therefore, if my people, does it apply to us? Yes. Okay. But do you hear me? Do you hear my saying? You can't just take it and say, well, yeah, that's America because we are a Christian nation. And do you hear me? So this is speaking to us as a people. Okay. And, and, and I want to challenge you with, with this statement. Here's the thing. This, this prayer, which, which was Solomon as he was dedicating the temple, which it was a prescription for Israel. But I wanna challenge you with this thought. I believe it's a posture for us. So what was a prescription, okay, in the Old Testament, God was saying, if you do this, under the old covenant, it was what? If you do this, 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 and this, then I will do this, this, and this. But if you don't do this, this, and this, then I will not do this, this, and this. As a matter of fact, I will do this. That was the covenant that they lived in today. But how many of you know we, we're part of the new covenant? Yes. That it's not conditional upon our, 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 our actions. It's conditional upon our receiving. If we receive the new covenant, then we walk in the fullness of the covenant, whether or not our actions align with it. Do you hear me? Right? So we walk in it. So, so what was a prescription for Israel is actually a posture for us. I believe that there's a, a holy posture here that we need to notice. And so it says, when my people, I want us to, to, to think about that. What, what is, when we think of people, we often think big picture. We often think government. We often think land. We often think nations. But how many of you know, where does revival start? Revival doesn't start with a land. It doesn't start with a people. It, doesn't start, it starts with us. It starts personal. So when we read this scripture and it says, if my people, I want you to say, if, if me, if I begin to do this. So, so we've got to make this personal into us. Here's what we often do. We often read this scripture and you're like, if my people, well, if America doesn't turn it around, this ain't gonna happen. Well, if these people don't get it together, well, if that doesn't happen, then no, 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 the whole time we're missing. If my people, if, if, if I, it's personal. The greatest form of government is self-government. Do you realize that? Government has to start with self-governing. We have to be able to govern ourselves and so walk according to the will and the ways of God. So this is the first part. So if my people, that's us, that's me, that's you and me. This is who we are. Paul made it even more clear in Romans chapter nine. He says this, verse 24, he says this. He says, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Paul's asking the question. And then he goes in to to quote the prophet. He says this, as indeed in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not my beloved, I will call my beloved. So this is speaking of us. This is good news. This is for us who are Gentiles. And it goes on to say, and in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there will be called sons of the living God. That's you and me. That's some good news. Even as the son of man came not to be... uh, What's the, next, what's the next part there? I'm sorry, I jumped on. And the very place where it said them, you're not my people, they will be called the sons of the living God. That's who we are. So when it says, if my people, this is us, say this is us. This is us. This is, us. This is, this is who we are. The, ne- the next line says this, if my people 
who are called by my name. So I want you to know this isn't, I don't believe now this is a prescription because this is old covenant. Prescription was do this, this, I'll do this, this. I believe it's a posture. So I think we look at the the big picture of this and we can see that God wants us to do. So who are the people? If my people who are called by my name, well, we know the Israelites were called by his name, but who is called by his name now? Well, we're sons of God. We're sons and daughters of God. But I want you to take you back and think about it in Genesis, the very beginning, we were made in the image of, of God. And so as made in the image of God, it, it, literally the word image, there's the same word that's used for idol. So think about it. We were made as, as idols of God. We were made to, to, to represent. An idol didn't look like the, the false deity necessarily, okay? What it, did, it was a representation. So even today, throughout all the world, when you have people who worship idols, what is it? They don't believe necessarily that that statue has power. They believe that it represents a power. And so they, they worship the statue. Are you, are you with me? So, so, so the image of God is the same word as idols in the sense that we were to represent God as living statues here on the earth. Think about it. We represented the big God, the big G, the God. So, cause we were made in his image. And when we were made in his image, do you know what? He gave us his name. And so in giving us his name, what we represent him. So my people, which is us, who are called by my name, we, 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 we operate under the name of God because we're made in his image, okay? What else? What did Jesus say? He said, he said, if you ask anything, what? In my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in what? In my name, why is the name important? Why is the name important? Because we are in submission to the one who really has all authority and power. So as people, if my people who are called by my name, what are we recognizing? It's not about us, it's about him. We are called by his name. We are representing him here today. So as we pray for our nation today, what do we have to recognize? That we're representing God more than anything. What does that mean? It doesn't mean my idea of what America should look like. It doesn't mean my things of what I think it should be. It's representing him. Called by his name. He has all power, all authority, and it's found in his name. What does it say? It says, called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Okay. Can you pray without humility? You probably can. Humble ourselves and pray. The the humility part is literally talking about a posture. God, God is speaking to them. He's literally saying, like, if you will humble yourselves and pray, he's literally saying, change your stance. He was literally speaking to them and saying, listen, go from here to here. Change your posture. Humble yourselves. I sincerely believe that that the part of the reason why we pray prayers that aren't answered is because of our posture. I want to challenge you with this do your prayers for our nation and when you pray, do they, do, they, do they break your heart? Or are you praying something that you want to see happen or the TV told you should happen or something that you just, you just, you feel, you feel should happen? When we come to a posture of true humility, do you know what it says? It says, God, it's not my will, it's your will. Yeah. It's a changing of posture. And so, so Bill taught so, so well on this earlier this year, talking about a posture of prayer and talking about literally challenge us. Why don't you get down on your knees every day if you can 
and pray. Why? Because when we change our posture, it changes our prayer. Bishop, Bishop Garlington talks often about it, about, about how the, the, the posture of bowing down is coming to a place where, you're, where your head is below your heart, where your head is in submission to your heart, where your, your heart for God is, is above your head and everything that you're thinking. So it's critical for us to understand that as we pray for our nation today, that we've got to approach, approach the throne room with great humility. Not that we have all the answers, but coming to a place of, of saying, God, you have all the answers. So we're going to come to you. What, what Jesus came uh, this in Matthew 20, 28. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus came to serve, what makes you think that we don't come to serve? Wow. That's actually our highest calling. Yeah. That's our calling as leaders is to be servant leaders. That's how we do. So when we pray, we have to pray as, as servants to God. We pray as sons and daughters of God with authority, but we've got to pray from a place of, of humility. And so I, I, I would challenge all of us in our prayer life, and I would say, listen, find the place of humility yeah. in your prayer. And that might take a moment. It literally might take us changing our posture, changing us from standing, changing us from driving in the car and praying to like taking a quiet moment to saying, God, I'm going to bow down before you. I'm going to lay down before you. I'm gonna posture myself in a place of brokenness and humility, Lord, so that I can pray there. And, and I do think that, that one of probably the, the greatest calling on the church today really is to pray. When we look at the life of Jesus over and over again, Jesus would pray. And, and we, we're, we're still in a, in a season, we're continuing to pray Monday through Friday, now not tomorrow, tomorrow's office is closed, holiday, but we're praying every morning, eight to 9 a.m. We'd love for you to join us and pray. Yeah. Uh, our interns led prayer on Tuesday and it was rowdy, you know, and, and, and it was great. But we would love for you to join us and pray. Eight to nine, we pray every day. Come and pray, Monday through Friday, pray with us. Come and pray with us. It's, it's one of the greatest callings that we can do. If you don't know how to pray, all the more. Come, yeah. come, and, come and pray. Learn, listen to other people pray. You'll, you'll, you'll learn something as we, as we come to pray. So we can, you know, Jesus would slip away to the wilderness to pray often. Mark tells us that while it was still dark, Jesus got up early, went into the wilderness to pray. It's what he did. He modeled prayer for us. And if we think that he was one with God, he was in communion with God, but yet he still took time away to pray, how much more do we need to pray, right? And here's the beauty, beautiful thing I think about prayer. We'll humble themselves and pray. And what's that very next line? And seek my face. Did you know, I, I think this is the great setup with God. I think this is one of the great setups where he says, where he says, I'm gonna invite you to pray. I want you to, you need to pray. But the, 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 the command for us to pray is really an invitation to know God. The command for us to pray is really an invitation to know God. Think, think about this. God's desire is that we would know him, that we would walk in relationship with him. And so he says, you need to pray. And guess what happens when we pray? We get to know God more. Look at the people who you think you, you, you value their walk with God. You see their integrity in their walk with God. Can I tell you something? They pray. They're spending time with him. They're in communion with him. So this is the beautiful part about it. Even in the Old Testament, God was calling them to seek his face, to get to know him. God has always desired for, for 
men to know him. God has always desired for us to know him more. So his command for us to pray is really an invitation to know him more. And so this is the beautiful part about it. As we go into the place of prayer, guess what happens? We begin to know God more. And guess what happens? It's not just a list of prayers that we go through that we're praying, that we're asking God for, but we begin to know the heart of Father God because we're spending time with him. And guess what? The more we know God, guess what? It overflows out of us through the day and we become more like him. So in our, our desire to become more, more like God is directly connected to our time in prayer. So our time in prayer is actually an investment into our walk with God. And so this is my challenge to us today that we recognize that as he calls us to pray, it's actually an invitation to know him more. We'll pray, we'll seek my face. And then the scripture says this, and turn from their wicked ways, okay? What's a word from turning from wicked ways? In one word, starts with an R. Repent, Repent. I love it, repent. God is calling the children of Israel to repent. He calls us today as well to repent, amen? We repent of our sins. And if we repent once of our sins, then we get to heaven and we're all good, right? We just need to repent once and say the prayer once, right? So repentance should actually be more than once. I want to challenge us today. This has been something, me and Terry were talking about this last week. One of the things that, that the Holy Spirit has been shining a light on my heart so much um, through, through, my, through my relationship with my kids <laughs> is, is, is what true repentance looks like. Because true repentance is what? It's, it's turning from, it says, the scripture says, turn from your wicked ways, okay? True repentance is really changing the way we think. It's really a mindset. It's really a, a, a changing the way we think. That's what the, the word in the Greek means, repentance. And so, so if we're really to truly repent, it means we change the way we think and our behavior actually changes because of what we say. So we're good at asking for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? But I don't think we're always good at repenting because repentance requires change. So when Chris scripture says to, to turn from their wicked ways, listen, if you're a child of God, you've repented of your sin, you're part of the family of God. And guess what? It means you get a, you get a license to repent daily. The Holy Spirit has been challenging me. Let me not make this a blanket statement. Let me just tell you what this means for me about how, how sometimes hard it is for me to repent, how I'm reluctant to repent at times. And what I've found out is that because, because I haven't truly repented of things, the true change hasn't happened. That I'll find myself doing some little things over and over and over again. And I'm like, why is this? It's because I haven't truly repented. Holy Spirit, wash my mind, change my mind. You got to change the way that I think. And so I would challenge you, listen, repentance should be part of our daily prayer life. Daily prayer life, coming before the Lord, repenting. Scripture tells us to confess our sins to one another. It almost sounds like with accountability, it helps us change. It's almost what the scripture sounds like, confessing your sins to one another. So that when we confess our sins to one another, somebody's gonna say, hey, you know, you said you weren't gonna do that, but you just did it again. Well, there's accountability there. And so it is so important that we come to a place, church, where we embrace repentance, where we recognize God searched my heart. Is there anything in my heart or in my life today that doesn't reflect you? And then coming to the place of, oh, God, you don't like the way that, that I said that. Forgive me. I repent of my tone today because it was bad. I repent of thinking this. I repent of saying this thing, whatever it was. Coming to a true place of repentance 
It's critical for the body of Christ in order to move forward. If we're to see revival in our land, we have to repent. Repentance has become part of what we do. Because without true repentance, we can't move forward. Do you see this? The enemy wants to trip you up with the same stuff over and over and over again. Until we truly repent, we can't put this under our feet and move forward. So we've got to come to a lifestyle of repentance. So it says, turn from their wicked ways. And then, and then the scripture says, and I will hear from heaven. Isn't this a wonderful promise? When we do this, then I will hear from heaven. But it kind of infers that there are times where God doesn't hear. Could it be that there are times that we pray that God doesn't hear? Could it be? There's an inference here that, that, that maybe, you know, so look, at, look with me, Psalm Psalm 66, verse 18. The psalmist says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Could it, could it be that there are times in our life that we are praying things that God doesn't hear? Could it be? That perhaps that if we're holding on to certain things that God doesn't hear our prayer. So here's the John. Do we want God to hear our prayer? So let me take this back to Repentance. We gotta live a lifestyle of repentance, yeah. church. This is not for the not for the unsaved to come to repentance. This is for the saved to live in a place of repentance, of daily repentance before the Lord. Do you know what repentance also works hand in hand with? Humility. Pride can't exist in a place where you're constantly living in a place of repentance before the Lord. Pride can't raise itself up if, you're, if we're in a place of repentance. And so God promises to to, to hear from heaven. And then he says this, I will forgive their sin. Now here's the great news. As part of the family of God, because you're born again, guess what? He's already forgiven you. We don't have to wait. He has already forgiven you. Guess what? He forgave your sin that you've already committed and those ones in the future. They're already forgiven, right? So he has forgiven us. He has already forgiven us. What do we have to do? We have to receive. We have to receive his forgiveness because do you know what um, um, rejected forgiveness looks like? Shame, shame. And, and, and some of us are walking around offering up prayers to the Lord, but we're so busted and broken inside because we haven't received the forgiveness of the Lord and we're walking in shame for what we've done in the past. And God is saying, listen, I have forgiven you. It is gone. And I'm here to encourage you here today, even as we, we bring up these, uh, these tough issues of abortion. Here's the thing. Do you know that there is, there is no shame in God? Do you know that, that, that whether you stole a sick of gum, you had an abortion, you did whatever other sin it might have been in your life, do you know what? That it is all forgiven. That when you say, well, God, but yeah, but I did this one thing. And he says, what thing? I don't remember it. I cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. I completely forgot. Why are you bringing it up again? But when we haven't truly received the forgiveness of the Lord, we, we still carry around this shame of stuff that we've done. And God says, listen, it's gone. It's completely washed in the blood. And so this is where, where we begin to see that all of a sudden our prayers begin to have this power because there's a confidence in us that comes from this place of understanding. We are forgiven. Wait, we are the, the people of God. I have repented. I am humbly submitting my prayers to the Lord in this. And so the last part of this I love, and this says, uh, 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 I will forgive their sin in the last part and will heal their land. Let me ask you a question and will heal their land. <clears throat> what if heal their land? What if land really meant land? Yeah. 
Think about it. So we think nation. I will hear the nation. I will hear the country. What if land really meant land? What if, what if God's desire was for the earth to be healed? What if the anxious longing of creation was longing for the awakening of sons and daughters of God? What if, what if creation meant creation? What if the earth and the animals and the trees were, were waiting to be healed? What if we had a responsibility to, to the earth? Because God, God created it this way. The earth wasn't cursed until sin came into the world, right? God cursed sin. You know, he didn't curse Eve. He cursed, he cursed the earth. He cursed the serpent. He cursed the ground. So sin came into the world and the earth was cursed. But what if, I just want to challenge you with this. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What if a picture of, of a people who prayed, who pursued God, was a, was a, a healthier earth? land. I know I'm challenging some of you here today. I believe we have a responsibility to the earth. I believe we have a responsibility to the land. And I believe God's desire is for the, for the land to prosper, the physical land, his creation. And I think we have a responsibility to it. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I've, I've asked some of our interns to, to, to help me with this. So um, I'll just call them up one at a time, but, but three ways here, as we can pray, you write these down real quickly. Um, Three ways that we're going to pray for our nation here today and moving forward. Three ways. Three ways. Number one is this. Pray on purpose. Right now, pray on purpose. Pray on purpose. Pray on purpose. Scripture says uh, in Jeremiah, it says this. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city which I've carried you into exile and pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So if, if the exiled city can prosper, how many of you believe that Columbus can prosper? If the exiled nation can prosper, how many America can prosper? So the scripture tells us to pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city. I believe that applies to our city. I believe that applies to our nation. This is what we're going to do. So here's my challenge to you. Could we as a church be intentional and actually pray with purpose? Which means stop just praying panicky prayers. Could we, what if we stop just paying, play, praying panic prayers? You know what the panic prayer is? Oh God, help me. If, how many of our prayers are panic prayers? Come on. Oh my God, my car broke down. God, will you come? God, will you help me? Oh my God, my, my, my air conditioner went out. God, will you help me? No, these are real things, but how many of us pray panic prayers all the time? What if we were purposeful in our prayers and we went after something what if we didn't wait for the next shooting to happen to pray for the peace in our city but we were continually declaring prayers into our cities into our neighborhoods that they would be neighborhoods of peace that the holy spirit would reign in there since when did we become such a reactionary people so what if we prayed with purpose church can we pray with purpose Who's going to help me with this? I don't have a microphone. Who's going to help me with this? Who's the first one? Pray with purpose. Who's that? Come on, Celeste. All right. So you're going to see interns helping us with, with all kinds of things. Um, but, but, but listen, we have to pray with purpose, not just panic. We're going to pray with purpose. So the scripture tells us pray for the peace 
and the prosperity of our city. All right? So let's imagine what that would look like. Why don't you right now, let's just begin to pray and Celeste is going to lead us. Let's pray for the peace and prosperity of Columbus, of Westerville and our city today. Let's just pray. Just, just take 30 seconds. Come on, church. Go ahead, Celeste. Go ahead. Guys, come on. I don't want to pray by myself. Let's all just be in the spirit right thank now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the breakthrough that's happening in this city. We thank you that we are not fighting for you, victory. We, we are fighting from victory. Yes, Lord, we thank you yes, that there is healing yes, on our land. We yes, thank you Lord. that there is breakthrough on our land, that there is freedom and deliverance in the name of Jesus. We just declare you, the name Father. of Jesus thank over you, the city. You, let it not thank just be you, in the city of thank Columbus, you, but let it overflow to every region that is connecting. Let it go throughout yes. the nation. Let it go throughout yes, the people. Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of victory. We thank yes. you that we are fighting with you. We are fighting alongside yes. you. And we are fighting yes. from the victory that has yes, been Lord. won by the works of the cross. Lord, we thank you. We are celebrating what you are doing. We are celebrating yes, what you Lord. have done. So, Lord, we are not just asking. We are not just yes, requesting, but we are speaking a declaration of healing over our land. We are praying yes, with Lord. a purpose. Yes, We're not Lord. timid yes, anymore. Lord. We are not afraid of the schemes of the enemy. We are saying thank you, Lord, for what you have done because yes. it is so. It is finished. Yes. So we just pray that over our city. We pray yes, that over Lord. the city of Columbus and the regions Connecting in Jesus' yes, name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Celeste. So we pray for the peace, for the prosperity of our city, because we're praying with purpose. Do you hear me, church? Praying with purpose. So what is Holy Spirit saying to you right now? If you're taking notes right now, what is he saying to you? Your neighborhood? He's speaking to many of you right now. What is he telling you to pray? He, you're, just write it down. He's speaking to you to pray over certain neighborhoods, over city blocks or whatever it might be, regions of the city, neighborhoods in the city. He's encouraging us. He's challenging us to pray with purpose. So we're praying intentionally, not reactionary. We're praying with intention beforehand. So the second thing is this, very quickly. We pray, for, we pray with purpose. The second thing is this, we pray for people. Say people. We pray for people. Who, Judah, join me with this one. We're gonna pray for people. First Timothy says this, the, the scripture's good. This is the scripture that's gonna build our basis for prayer. I urge you first to pray for all people. Say all people. Who does all people mean? Does that mean your friends? Does that mean your enemies? Does that mean your leaders? Does that mean the political party that you don't like? Okay. Pray for all people. To pray for all people, ask God to help them. That's pretty specific. Ask God to help them. Guys, this is a recipe. Here's your prescription. Pray for people. It says intercede on their behalf. What if unsaved people who don't know how to pray we're waiting for you to intercede on their behalf they don't know how to pray you're supposed to pray for them intercede on their behalf give thanks for them next verse help me out here give thanks for them so so this pray this way for kings say kings pray for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by the godliness and dignity this is good and pleases God our Savior. So this is what we do. We pray for all people, but we pray for kings and those in authority. So Judah, just help us. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for, pray for those, asking God to help them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord we pray for the people in power, but we recognize yes, that you have all of the power, Lord. Yes, Lord. We pray yes, for Lord. the kings, but we recognize that you are the king of the kings and the Lord yes, of Lord. lords, Lord. Yes, Lord. We pray for supernatural strategies yes. Yes. throughout all yes. levels of government, Lord. Yes, Lord. From top to bottom. Yes. We pray for the president, Lord. We pray yes. for everybody yes, as Lord. representatives. We even pray for yes, at the local. Help them, Lord. Level, Thank Lord. you, Lord. We pray for mayors and governors and yes. local authorities, yes. Lord. Yes. We pray for dis 
um, divine you, discernment, Lord, you, Lord, that the Thank decisions you, that Thank are made you, are made Thank for you, Lord, Lord that Thank glory you, would be brought to you. Thank you, Lord. We pray Thank you, against Lord. any Hallelujah. division Hallelujah. in our government, Lord, yes, God. on all levels, Lord. We pray yes, and Lord. speak unity. We thank you that you're covering all levels yes, and that Lord. you care about all levels. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, Father. we repent. Thank you, Lord. For any time that we spoke against any yes, of them, Lord. Lord. Yes, Lord. We say mm. you are thank the you, ruler Lord. of all rulers, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank yes, you. Lord. Yes, mm. Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Great job. Great job. You know, I, I, I've, I've found it difficult personally to pray for people that I call names. Can we challenge you? Okay. There's some political people that I just personally do not like. Believe it or not. <laughs> but do you know, when I, when I call them names, I find it hard to love them. And I find it hard to pray for them. And so my encouragement to you is this, for our leaders and those that, that either we believe that the Bible says is true, so our belief system that the Bible says is true, so when the Bible says that God has placed them in authority over us, either we believe that God has placed them in authority over us or we don't. So our language, our speaking about them should back it up. So to call them evil, to call them vile, to call them things that God would not call them, yeah, we do. We're, we're cursing them. So here's my encouragement to you. Change the way you speak about them and I guarantee you your heart will change and the way you pray will change about them, okay? So we pray for people. Last one, this is, good. This is, a, this is a fun one. We pray, we pray with purpose. We pray for people. Finally, we pray with the paraclete, all right? This is the Greek word for Holy Spirit and it starts with a P. We pray with the paraclete. The paraclete, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the word for, that it is helper, this is the helper. The paraclete is, is the Greek word for Holy Spirit. This is the helper. This is who he is. He's the helper. All right? And so this is not parakeet. All right? This is not repeating what we're saying. This is paraclete. This is the helper. This is the Holy Spirit. You're going to remember this. The, uh, the scripture admonishes us. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. So in praying for our nation, would that be an all-time occasion? Okay. Just checking. Stay alert, be persistent with prayers for all believers everywhere. So, so we pray in the spirit. Emily's gonna help us. And, um, and here, here's my challenge to you. Now, again, this is training. This is practice. We're gonna pray in the spirit for a moment. If you don't pray in the spirit, hey, open up your mouth, say a ah, uh, and see what happens, all right? Listen, Holy Spirit will come and fill us at any time. He'll surprise us. It was in the backseat of a little Buick Oldsmobile Cutlass for me when I was 13 years old. Um, <laughs> listening to a cassette tape of Lindo Cooley, the Brownsville Revival. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Began speaking in tongues. Uh, listen, it can happen anytime. As we begin to speak, pray in tongues, we begin to speak in the Spirit. This is important because there are times in our nation that we don't know what to pray. So guess what? When we pray in the Spirit, we're praying perfectly. We're praying perfectly, right? So, so it says pray at all times. We don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. So Emily volunteered for this one. So come on, Emily. All right, let's just begin to pray in the spirit. Just lift your voice. Just lift your voice. Grosso 
Thank you, Lord. 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 Awesome. 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 Let me encourage you. Um, grow in your prayer language. If, if, if you speak in tongues, here's my encouragement to you. Grow in your prayer language. That at times, you know, when it first started for me, it was something that like I had to be under the anointing. Do you know what I mean? Like had to be under the anointing to pray in tongues. Um, I don't have to be in the anointing to pray in tongues. I can pray in tongues anytime I want. Why? Because it's a, it's a language he's given me. So let me encourage you to practice it. If, if at one time you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, can I tell you something? You didn't, you didn't lose it. Can I give you a promise? I promise. He didn't give it and take it back. He didn't give it and take it back. He gave it. You just stop practicing, okay? Take a little responsibility. You stop practicing. So let me encourage you to practice it because it's so powerful when we come to pray. Would you stand with me? One last scripture. Listen, the scripture is so important. Why? Because it's what we believe. It's our right belief. It's our right foundation. The scripture is the word of God. But I wanted to challenge us this, this holiday weekend, this 4th of July weekend, listen, to remember that we are called as a people to pray. We have to pray for our nation. So we're gonna end our time here by just praying for just a few moments. If you wanna pray with purpose, if you wanna pray for people, if you wanna pray with a paraclete, whatever you wanna pray, we're gonna pray for just a second. Uh, but here's my last scripture that I wanna share with you. Here's, here's a great promise for us. Psalm 33 said this. It says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Listen, I believe that in order for us to make God the God of our nation, he has to be God of this nation. Wow. He has to be God of, of this heart. First, let's recognize in our own place, God, you're God. And if you don't know Jesus here today, we want to lead you in a prayer with him. We want to introduce you to him, into a relationship with him. If you never walked with him, just say this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And I believe that you died and rose again. Today, I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. I thank you that you've made me new. You've made me clean. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you said that prayer today, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. If you said that listening on the radio, watching online, however it might be, we want to follow up with you. We want to help you in your journey with Christ. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with us, go to oasiscitychurch.com. You can watch all of our live events on the Oasis City Church app, YouTube, and Facebook Live. And please join us next Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. in Westerville on East Wind Drive.